listening to the VC20 Podcast, a space for meaningful conversations and relevant teachings. Grace and peace to you all. It's been such a long time since we have spoken. I am so grateful to be with you guys again uh, to talk to you this week about greed. If you've been following our podcast, you know that we've been doing a series on the seven deadly sins. And greed is one of them. And Shane asked me to speak with you guys about greed. Now, if I am honest, and you know honesty is Lathaniel's best policy, I have to say that I have had my fair share of struggles with greed, which Google defines as an intense and selfish desire for something, especially wealth power or food so an intense and selfish desire for something especially wealth power and food and greed is one of those things that is hard to cop to you know no one wants to confess that at times they have been greedy and i'm gonna tell you that personally it's not just oh greedy for another share of hot chicken takeover or, you know, another plate of macaroni and cheese on Thanksgiving. I have struggled at times with greed, an intense desire for wealth, for power. I grew up um, in a loving family, tight-knit family, filled with joy and peace and camaraderie. But what we did not have was a lot of money. So... When I realized that I had been given the opportunity to, to advance academically, opportunities that many people um, are not afforded, I set my eyes towards wealth. And so when I was 13, my first serious ambition or serious professional ambition was to become a chemical engineer. And I chose this path after doing my research on the internet about professions that made the most money. <laughs> now, chemical engineers, now that I'm older, they don't make the most money, but they do make a lot of money. And when I observed that, and I also observed that I was pretty good at the sciences, I decided, yes, 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 I want to be a chemical engineer. And my friends, there is nothing wrong with some good old-fashioned ambition. But... Greed is when we take it to the place where we're orienting our lives toward it, toward money or power. All of our lives, our very decisions, how we spend our time is based on these, this intense and selfish desire. That's when we start rolling, rolling over to greed. And if you are ambitious the way that I am, you know that Sometimes that's, that's a thin line. And so we have to continuously examine our heart and continuously intake scripture and its, its, its commands to shun greed. So this week, the, the, the scripture that we're focusing on is from Luke 12. And what's happening here is Jesus is talking to a crowd and just dropping knowledge on them, you know, just spitting 
pure, pure facts. And my friends, this is what I've come to know over time, over, you know, following Jesus for years, is that God is not just preoccupied with giving us rules and how much we follow the rules. And he's not there just counting, you know, did Lathania eat one chicken wing today or two chicken wings today? You know, did she stop at exact moment? God is not so much preoccupied with that. But what he is preoccupied with is one, preserving the system or, or restoring creation to what he intended it to be. And two, showing us how to be healthy human beings. And so when Jesus is spitting truth, he's trying to show people, hey, <laughs> some of your approaches to life are unhealthy. They are destructive. And the enemy, the thief, is coming to kill, steal, and destroy. The thief who is luring you into believing uh, certain ideas is, is only intending to kill you. And Jesus says, you know, uh, to, in, in, in another text, that he has come, that enemy comes to kill, steal, and destroy, but he has come to give us life and life more abundantly. And that is Jesus' preoccupation, right? Is restoring creation and restoring us to the humans that we're intended to be. So anyway, he's dropping knowledge. He's dropping knowledge. And someone shouts from the crowd and says, and says, hey, uh, tell my brother to share the inheritance with me. Because, and I, I'm guessing that the person is thinking, hey, you are an authoritative teacher, Everyone is listening to you in this moment. And this is my primary preoccupation. You know, please resolve this issue for me. And Jesus, instead of straight up resolving it, he just simply says, hey, who has made me arbitrator among you? Like, I'm not, I'm not your judge. Don't bring me into that family business. And then he says, he says, and I'll read this scripture exactly. This is from Luke 12, verse 15. He says, watch out, be on your guard against all kinds of greed, because life does not consist in the abundance of possessions. He takes a moment to say, hey, <laughs> is that your primary preoccupation? Even as you're standing amongst, you know, the prophet, you're standing with the prophet, you're standing with the people of God, you've likely seen miracles, right, around me. And still your mind is focused on material things. He says, be careful, be careful. And something that I have observed about greed, you know, through my brushes with it, is that it is alluring. It is alluring. When we scroll our Instagram and we see people, you know, with their Bugattis and, and they're taking their vacations, traveling the world, being all free. And, you know, we know that we have to go to our nine to five. <laughs> we have to go to our nine to five. We're working at a coffee shop and we're making nothing close to, to and nothing close to what we would need to buy a, buy a, a Hyundai, much less a Bugatti. It, it can, we can start to be drawn. We can start to be drawn to where we are preoccupied with acquisition of things. 
And we miss moments. We miss the moment. So Jesus is saying, hey, I'm here, you know, spitting wisdom, spitting truth, telling you how, how it is that you can live a restored life. And your mind is on something else. Greed, my friends, is alluring. Greed is not only alluring, it is deceptive. So Jesus goes on to tell a parable. He says, a rich man, he, a rich man acquires some land. The land is fruitful. So he has a lot of soil. He has a lot of crops. crops. And what does he do with the crops? He says, oh, my land makes a lot of crops. I need more barns. <laughs> you know, I just need more and more. I just need to store up more and more. And the man says, once I have stored up more and more, then, then my heart can be merry. Then I can eat, drink, and be merry. So we're still on Luke, on Luke 12. And I do encourage you to read this uh, on your own. Maybe even pause this, pause this now and read it. But he tells this parable of this guy who, who, you know, he spends his whole life acquiring things, acquiring things with the idea that later he will say to his soul, soul, now you can eat, drink, or be merry. The deceptive part about greed is that it makes you feel as though life begins when you have acquired something. My friends, Jesus continues in the parable and says, but one day God comes to him and says, today your life will be required of you. Now whose possessions are these things that you have, you have hoarded essentially? Now who are you passing this on? because you can't bring it with you life we are to live life now and we have everything we need for life and godliness in our present moment greed my friends will will have you missing that will have you missing the presence of jesus the teachings of jesus and the more meaning thing, meaningful things of life so Jesus uses that parable to back his, his idea just to say, hey, there is more to life. Greed is alluring. Greed is deceptive. And greed is insatiable. Greed is insatiable. When I think about talking to you about greed, this is the one, one thing that I want you to take away about the nature of greed. And this is something I've, I've thought about a lot because I've, as I have already confessed to you, I have a tendency towards orienting my life towards building wealth specifically. And again, I should probably have this asterisk to say, it's not that I'm against building wealth. It's not that I'm against uh, setting a goal and working towards your goal. But your whole life, your whole mind, your energy, all your energy cannot be oriented towards that. It cannot. Because as Jesus says in another part of the scripture, he says, hey, you can't worship God and money. You cannot worship God or money. You will either love one and hate the other or hate the other. And so it is the case that if we are orienting our whole mind and our whole, all our energies towards acquiring something, whether it's wealth or more food or more power, 
that energy is not being used to live life as a restored human being. That's not that's energy that's not being used towards connecting with God, towards loving your neighbor, towards um, enjoying the presence of God. So anyway, greed is insatiable. And yes, as I started by saying, I started saying that I have examined this in my own in my own uh, life. Because, you know, when I was 18, I set a goal. I set a goal. Oh, if I can make this amount of money, then I will be good and content. <laughs> I'll be rich, you know. My husband says that we're hood rich. We're hood rich now, you know. And once I get to that goal, at first I'm like, oh, yeah, yeah, great. I am hood rich. <laughs> but it is not long, my friends. It is not long before the gremlins in my mind start to say, hey, 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 <laughs> that, that measly amount that you just started making, I mean, that's so far from this next goal, you know? So let's say I started with 50,000. I say, okay, if I can make 60, let's start it with 60. If I can make 60,000. But I come to find that when I start making the 60, then the 60 doesn't, doesn't feel quite enough. I heard Drake in an interview one time. I saw in an interview uh, he did with GQ where he was saying that he set this goal that when, he's 20, when he was 23, he set a goal to make $25 million by the time he's 25. But once he you know, got to that goal, he simply moved the mark. He simply moved the mark to another goal and another goal and another goal. And my friend, that is not a recipe for content or happy living. Trust me, because it will never be enough. Greed is insatiable. Ecclesiastes 5 says, 5 verse 10 says, Whoever loves money never has enough. Whoever loves wealth is never satisfied with their income. This too is meaningless. It is meaningless. How many of us as Americans or Westerners might set our lives towards working, 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 working to get a certain amount of money or a certain amount of um, power only to find that we missed the most meaningful things. We missed our children growing up or we missed our friendships or we missed, you know, our marriage, our marriages. That's why Paul, in a letter to Timothy, so 1 Timothy, he says, 1 Timothy 6, verse 6 to 10, he says, but godliness with contentment is great gain for we brought nothing into the world and we can take nothing out of it. But if we have food and clothing, we will be content with that. Those who want to get rich fall into temptation and a trap and into foolish and harmful desires that plunge people into ruin and destruction. For the love of money 
is a root to all kinds of evil. Some people eager for money have wandered from the faith and pierced themselves with many griefs. He's saying some people, because they love money, end up trapping themselves into all types of situations and only bring grief upon themselves. I like to watch uh, a show called American Greed. This is one of my favorite shows to just, you know, watch a, the kind of show that you don't really have to think. It's like just, you know, it has a pattern and you just watch it and you kind of zone out. So that's one of my favorite shows. And in American Greed, this is the fundamental theme for almost every episode. There's a guy who is usually a white guy who is super charismatic and, you know, Lots of people love him and he tells them, hey, I can make you more money. You just need to invest with me and I can give you, you know, 10% returns or 20% or 30%, depending on how absurd or charismatic he is. And people, you know, invest with him sometimes, sometimes even reasonably. Sometimes these men are even conning their friends and their families, right? People give them their whole retirement, give men their whole retirement savings. And then the men, you know, buy nice houses, buy nice cars, buy boats, you know, do all sorts of things, go on trips around the world, have, you know, a hundred women, etc., etc. Waste people's money and then end up having to go to jail or, you know, sometimes committing suicide, etc., my friend's greed is insatiable and it will lead you. Sometimes I wonder about these men. I'm like, is it just that you're a psychopath, which some of them honestly are kind of psychopathic? Or is it that this started with a real genuine desire? And then a little seed of greed planted. And maybe you were good at investing stocks. But then the seed of greed, you know, because... If, if any of you have, have invested in stocks, as I have, it can really, you know, get sort of gambling-ish. And it can really suck you in to where you're thinking, oh, you know, if I had just bought that stock yesterday, I could have made a 100% return today. Is it that they started genuinely just with investing normally? They, maybe they were good at it. And the seed of greed was planted and they left that seed unchecked to where, no, they're not only ruining their lives, but the lives of the people around them. I mentioned earlier that God is, is concerned with restoring the earth, restoring creation and restoring us to being really fully human. And greed destroys our ability to see elements of our own humanity and to enjoy elements of our own humanity especially or present moment and so these people are are yes destroying themselves but they're destroying creation they're destroying financial systems they're destroying whole countries we're destroying whole countries because of our unchecked greed my friends let this not be characteristic of us we must be insistent 
upon checking our hearts and our minds for, for spaces of greed. Reminding ourselves that greed is insatiable. There is nothing we will be able to accomplish that will quench the desire. So how do we quench this is the desire? How do we overcome greed? You might tell Athania, how have you, how have you approached your own struggle with greed? My friends, gratitude. Gratitude is the most powerful weapon against greed. It is the most powerful weapon against greed. Why? Gratitude calls you towards being present in your moment and looking around, observing the real things of life. When we set our hearts towards gratitude, we can start to look around and see what is. So Jesus says, life does not consist in the abundance of possessions. So what, my friends, does life consist of? What does true good life consist of? Gratitude calls our attention to those things. So for me, I am grateful for health, for the health that I have. You know, I, I struggle with chronic illness, but I am grateful for the health that I do have. I am grateful for my husband, who, as you those of you who know me and him know he is, you know, a, a, a long drink of chocolate milk. He is awesome. He is sweet. He is kind. I am grateful for him. I am grateful for my child <laughs> who is two now. And even though sometimes he terrorizes me, I am grateful for his laughter, for the joy he brings to our family, for his innocence. I am grateful for my friends. Listen, I could go on and on and on. And when I think about the things, when I, am, when I think about all the things I'm grateful for, my family, my friends, I could name my friends and my family members one by one and tell you a hundred things that I am grateful for about each of them. When I consider that, I said to myself, Lathaniel, how much money is each of these people worth to you? How much money could someone pay me to give them my husband? <laughs> there is not enough money in the world. There is not enough money in the world. I am already a gazillionaire because of the people who surround me, because of the breath of fresh air that I'm able to take when I take the walks outside alone. I am already a billionaire because I, I am free. I am not on anyone's plantation, which may seem like, you know, a very trite thing to be thankful for. But had I been born, you know, a few years ago, I would not be as free as I am in this moment. And for that, I am grateful. I am grateful for, for the roof over my head. Listen, guys, I can go on and on and on about all the things that I am grateful for. And when we go on and on about the things that we are grateful for, we realize that 
that greed doesn't even make sense. That's orienting our lives towards paper and towards power that forces people who we don't even like to pretend that they like us. We realize that that's silly. We realize when we bathe ourselves in gratitude, we can, our perspective shifts. I mentioned earlier that the guy that Jesus was talking to was just in the crowd listening. Can you imagine? God has condescended to us in the person of Christ. This man is talking to God and he cannot enjoy that moment. He cannot soak in that moment because he is preoccupied. My friends, God is looking for opportunities to speak with you today in this moment. And we cannot miss it. We cannot miss it because we are distracted. Because we are distracted. This gratitude is perspective shifting. This gratitude helps me to quench to sincerely quench the greed. And how do I know it's working? Because the gratitude also fosters peace. I recently decided to step away from Facebook, okay, because it was not contributing to my peace. And my consumption of Instagram sort of automatically went down as well. It just, it just, I just, I just found other things in life. I found things in my real life. I found people, to interesting people at work who I can talk to on teams. You know, I, have, I, I catch up with my friends. I, do, I, I lo- listen to my son's laughter. Because my, I am bent on changing my perspective, on feeding my gratitude more than my greed. You know, this is why the scriptures commands us, friends, to be thankful always. In everything, give thanks. Philippians 3 says, uh, Paul says, do not be anxious about anything, but in prayer, but with prayer and thanksgiving, make your request be made known. And what happens when you do that? The peace of God, which transcends all understanding will guard your heart and mind the peace peace comes through our gratitude our gratitude is perspective shifting our gratitude fosters peace and lastly i will leave you with this our gratitude breeds generosity gratitude breeds generosity so, so Jesus, in a parable that he's talking about from Luke 12, he, he, you can notice an absence of generosity in the rich man's life. When he realizes that he has too much crops for his barn, it doesn't even occur to him to share those crops. And you know what? You know, one of the things I really like about Jesus is the way that sometimes he he's passed his messages you know to people because even though he rebukes the brother who is preoccupied with greed 
in this story, he's also speaking to, he's also presumably speaking to the other brother as well and saying, hey, you know, you may not choose a shady inheritance. You, you might, uh, you know, I am not the decision maker on that, Jesus says. I'm not the arbitrator, but I will caution the both of you. I will caution the both of you against hoarding things. My friends, when we are grateful, when we are grateful for a present moment and we can see how already we are gazillionaires, we can then find opportunities to share with others. Maybe, maybe we're too broke, you know, financially to give a lot. But we're not, we're, we're not all broke with our time. And maybe even if we're broke, I'll tell you a story. When I was in high school, a lot of times, most days, my friends and I would not buy, I won't say most days, many days. We did not buy lunch only for ourselves. When we bought lunch, it was almost expected that we would share we would share because there were some among us who could not afford lunch or they couldn't afford a fancier lunch. So they were basically eating, you know, nothing. What amounts to no, things with no nutritional value. So those of us who were able on the days we were able to buy the fancy food, we shared. Did we have that much? No. <laughs> I don't know if you, I guess you guys can Google this, but Google banana chips. Banana chips. My friends and I, it's like a bag of chips. Call it a bag of potato chips. Think about that. There are days when my friends and I would share even our banana chips. Why? We were grateful that we had banana chips and we were so preoccupied with our friendships and fostering those friendships and making sure that our neighbors were nourished, that it bred in us generosity. The thing about greed is, as I said, it's insatiable. So it will always make you feel like you never have enough and you never have enough to be generous. But my friends, once you switch your mind towards, you turn your mind towards gratitude as the scriptures instruct us to do, you will see that there are ample opportunities towards generosity. I was just speaking to a friend who was saying to me, you know, she had a, she runs a nonprofit and she was saying that she asked her constituents, for lack of a better word, or her clients, what do you need? And there were people who just said, hey, if you can even give us a bottle of oil, if you can give us a diaper for our children, diapers for our children, if you could buy me a bag of rice, that would be good. Basic items. They find themselves in need of. And most of us are able to share. When we turn our eyes towards gratitude, generosity becomes easier and greed is quenched. Greed is eradicated slowly. It's a process, though, you know, guys. It's a process. Because even as I speak to you here, I speak to you as I speak to myself. Because I have been actively practicing gratitude 
but I still, I still have not been able yet to eradicate all the greed. We must. We serve a God who, who, you know, was sitting on high and he rid himself of, of elements of his divinity. I mean, he was still divine, but he now was condescending to be in a body, right? And not just did he condescend to be in a painful, unattractive body. And the scriptures do say he was unattractive, so I'm not making that up. Or he wasn't particularly attractive. Not only did he condescend himself to do that, he then, he then allowed himself to be murdered on a cross. If we are going to be disciples of that man, we must, we must, we must practice gratitude and we must allow it to breed in us generosity. Or God is generous when we can be like him. So what are you grateful for today? What are you grateful for today? That's what I will ask you to ponder this week. Just what are all the things you're grateful for? Write them down. The things and the persons you are grateful for. My friends, you will realize that you have everything that you need. Thanks for listening. Thank you for listening to the BC20 podcast. Make sure to subscribe for more sermons and intentional conversations. You can also check us out online at bc20.com.